Hello. Hey, Merlin. How are you? I'm great, Dan. How are you? Doing just fine. Good afternoon. Good afternoon to you. Or for me, good morning. Is it still? Yeah, it's still morning for you. It's always morning here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. It's good. This is, this is the strangest part of the day. Well, the second strangest part of the day. What's the first strange part of the day? I think 3.30 might be the strangest part of the day. Which, uh, why? Why? Well, I don't know. I mean, I haven't really thought about it. Uh, <laughs> but it feels like it's neither fish nor fowl. Uh-huh. It's kind of a, it's, it's a strange in-between time. I mean, most of the part of the day where I've done stuff, such as I do, has gone by. And I'm getting ready to tr- transition into the, uh, the next part of my stuff. But, uh, yeah, I, I like mornings. I like mornings fine. Are you all, have you always been a morning person? No. No? I'm not a morning person, but I've learned to like them because of, well, like them. Does one really like anything, Dan? No. No, one doesn't. No. Uh, I've learned to accommodate mornings because of my state in life. Yeah. Part of it was I fell in love with a uh, lady who was a morning person. Yeah, and then you had to adapt. You have to adjust. Well, yes, I think you do. I mean, it's not as extreme as like, you know, courting a vegetarian. That's, you know, <laughs> that, that takes, that's got a lot of angles. Yeah, it really would. It changes potlucks forever. <laughs> yes. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. One of, one of my friends, I think, has recently, in, in his 40s, uh, decided to try to maybe be a vegetarian. I can't really tell because he just started posting pictures to Instagram that are of vegetarian food. It's just hmm. all, all vegetarian food that he's now posting. And, uh, and he never he's never posted, A, he's never posted very much before, and B, uh, he's never posted things that seem all vegetarian before. This is very interesting. Yeah, it's disturbing to me. Not that he is vegetarian. That's not disturbing. Uh, but the fact that he would suddenly go vegetarian and and not not even – I don't know. There's this whole thing that I have like, – like, yeah, something that bugs me, why I had to almost completely hmm. remove myself from social media is mm-hmm. that there's, there's a, certain, a certain kind of person who will – Let's say that they are go to a great restaurant and they had a delicious – I'll pick one of your favorites and mine – a delicious steak. Mm-hmm. And they might show a picture of the steak. They might take a picture of the steak and post it to Instagram. Here's the food you're not eating. And I'm okay with that. I'm totally okay with that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I do that too. But th- then they'll say, oh, this place is so great. I just love it. Best steak I've had in my life. Yes. And then they won't geotag it. They won't tell you what the place is. They won't say anything else about it. And and then I, I however, yeah. if you ask them about it in the comments, you're like, where did you go to eat? Generally, you do that. You they, do that. I've seen you do that. I have to do it. And, the, and then they won't necessarily even respond to it. Oh, I don't really read the comments on my feed. Whatever. But I feel like there's there's something weird going on there. I feel like there has to be a weird, there's a weirdness. Oh, Why I are they doing it? Are they doing are, it for attention? Are. are they doing it because they want to seem cooler than other people? Do they not care? Oh, you... Uh, I do think you're on to something uh, very interesting. Um, well, first of all, like, well, okay, your friend with the vegetarian. I- is it a cry for help or is it just a new interest? Is it a new enthusiasm? Is it a kind of vegetarian midlife crisis? What do you think's going on? The latter sounds like the most plausible and maybe the former of crying for help. I don't know. I feel like, I feel like he needs help now. 
Um, well, I he's not yeah, getting he's not getting intervene. enough protein. I can tell you yeah. that. Well, I don't want to open too big a kettle of fish, but this is something I've thought about a lot. Um, something you're describing right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm currently tapering off. I'm still technically on a Twitter break, but I'm tapering off a little bit. Yeah, but um, you know, I don't like to talk about stuff that I do, but. Um, I have to mention this, which is that uh, over on the Reconcilable Differences podcast with Syracuse, every year we do um, an episode just for our, our members, like a special episode in a private feed. And this year we talked with the Internet's own Todd Vaziri. And we talked about – I think you probably know Todd from the Internet. We yeah. talked about full media blackout. And we addressed an issue – no spoilers – but we addressed an issue that John and I have been banging around in show notes for probably close to a year, uh, which is something I call the information problem. Which which encompasses so many different things. It encompasses things like uh, an example that you and I can both probably get with, which is sharp objects. The example that's the best ex- recent example I can think of, where I am, well, at least as of a couple weeks ago, pretty, pretty obsessed with this show. Yes, I'm still into it, but but by the second or third episode of that show, I was thinking about it a lot, and I didn't have anywhere to talk about it because I didn't want to spoil people on it. Well, at the same time, I'm entirely aware that there are people who have read the book upon which the TV show is based. And I don't want to know anything from them. So I don't want to spoil it for other people and I don't want to spoil it for me, but I also struggle with where to talk about it. You're, Anyways, you're, you're saying you don't even want to know what could be different from the book to the show. Is that what you sure. mean? Sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we, we go into this uh, in some detail in that, in that episode where we talk about stuff like Todd, you know, who's the originator of the whole full media blackout idea is you want to, you don't want to know casting, right? You don't want to know dates. You don't want to know any of that because your mind will go places and you will unintentionally create, very unintentionally create, even with the smallest bit of information, you unintentionally create expectations for yourself that you don't want to have. Because everybody knows the joy of going in cold. Now, why do I mention this here? Uh, and this is not a criticism of you, unless you choose to take it that way. Okay. But I'm also interested in, and sometimes I'm intrigued by and often put off by what, I'm gonna, what I call context demand culture. Mm. And I've seen you suffer from both sides of this. I know it bugs you when people post a photo of a steakhouse and then don't say what it is. Right. Now, how do you feel when somebody says, you guys mentioned this thing, but it's not in show notes, and you know damn well it was in show notes? How do you feel about that? If I'm positive that it is in the show notes? I had to answer an email this week uh, from somebody where I – I mean, I don't want to be a jerk about it, but but context demand is a big part of what – some people some people live for the comments in life yeah so that's why people are there people are there for the conversation and that can be fine my trouble with con- first of all does that term make any sense context demand i like the term it's a new one for me i made it up i think i might have stolen it from somebody else but context demand is when you do or say something and then for whatever reason people demand more clarification or description or documentation, mm-hmm. or whatever it is, for whatever the hell it is you say, there's somebody there who wants more context for what you're saying, or, as importantly, why you're saying it, mm. why you didn't say something else. <coughs> Where th- there, There's this thing that you said that you just think of as a thing. It's a thing that crossed your mind. It could be just your stake that went through your mind. And then, like, there are people who are there to pounce on it and go, like, where's the link for this? And you're like, well, is there a possibility that somewhere on the internet and maybe arguably in the world, there are things that aren't for you and weren't intended for you. 
and that I might maybe even just not only waste my time but crush the bunny by having to explain it to you? That's that's where it gets tricky because sometimes, like you know, if you were to make a Lebowski reference, mm-hmm. you know, it's one thing for people to go, okay, well, you keep saying you keep saying uh, whatever the dude abides or nice marmot, like what is that from? Right. But if people are pouncing on every inside joke and demanding to know the context for it, that takes kind of some of the fun out of it. Yes. And yes. and I think it's, but sometimes I, I get this too. So let me let me confess, I sometimes get this too, where somebody's putting stuff in front of me over and over, and I'm like, look, I'm sorry. I don't know what you're talking about, and I, I realize this is probably a bit. I'm not even asking, not demanding context, but I know it can be frustrating from both sides. It can be frustrating to be the person who's making a joke for three people, and then ten people demand an explanation. And it can be equally frustrating when, in the case you're in, I mean, you ever you ever hop into Twitter or somewhere else? Everybody's mad about something. You can't figure out what everybody's mad about. You know, context That's is every so, single every single day of Twitter. Every morning, me, yeah. it's every it's every morning. But context is what helps us understand what something means. Yes, but I have you know, some, I have some when when you're done. I do have some responses. I mean, that's that, that's that's my first salvo is just to say that like maybe okay, so maybe then the um, the operative part of that is like let's let's consider you know. Have we given enough context as we want to give, and do we really want to be demanding context from strangers? Because I, I think it gets really tiresome, personally. Sometimes it's not for you. You know what I mean? That's all I'm saying. Now, yes. you yourself, though. Well, please, I'll, please I'll respond. respond directly to, to that. I totally get the concept of saying, this might not be for you. This is this is a thing that I'm doing for people who people who will get it will get it, and people who won't get it, hopefully they don't feel left out, right? This is I'm thinking I'm putting myself in the mindset of of this, of like a tweet that says like, um, you know, some, some Lebowski reference, for example, uh, I'm staying, enjoying my well, coffee. You, you did this, you did this forever. What's your one line? Is it from Steve Zissou? I'm right You've on the edge. Line. I don't know what comes next. You would post that and I would think that you were on a ledge somewhere. A lot of people I didn't think, know what that, think that. Yeah. I, I mean, no, I, I mean, I, 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 no, no, I'm, I'm not trying to impugn you. I'm just saying, like, I didn't know what that was from. I didn't get that. And it sounds like the kind of thing somebody types before they drive before into a they, tree. they die, right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it's, it's a quote from Steve Zissou on The Life Aquatic, a great West, an, an, an underappreciated, wholly underappreciated Wes Anderson movie, I think, and a great performance mm-hmm. from Bill Murray. Uh, but yes, that, and that, and then if you don't, I'm sorry if anyone thought I was on a ledge. But that's a great example of something that a person might tweet that some people will get, other people won't, and you know, and and so that's a thing. But and I I think that's fine. There, but there's things that people do, like the 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 worst tweet. I you, think you feel of, like they're asking for you to ask about it. Yes, and of. and beyond that, like well, I'll see this all the time that. I understand very much the concept that you're talking about, which is where you're saying, I'm say, I'm sharing something that is for a specific audience. For example, there might be a soccer game on. I never watch soccer. I, I couldn't possibly be less interested in anything than, than I am interested in soccer. It's, it's, mm-hmm. It is a, 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 an impossibility. There's nothing I'm interested in less. However, almost every other sport, I love almost every other sport, uh, even basketball, but soccer just there. It's a non. It's a non thing for me. But I understand that there's a big sort of what what we would call the World Series of soccer or something that happens periodically. And when people are doing that, they're very excited, and they might tweet something like, "OMG, this game!" Exclamation point. Yes. Yes. And and I'm aware enough of the world to know that the 
World Series of Soccer is happening and people might be excited about it and I know to just mute that person for the next month. And so that's fine. <laughs> but right. um, like, you know, but I also believe that tweets, as, as we have seen, unfortunately, in the news, they last forever. They're there mm-hmm. forever. And in the context, the context for that is gone. It's complete, and in fact, it's gone the next morning in many cases, or it's gone in a week. Well, I'm not saying everything you say has to be pertinent, whatever. But I do definitely feel like there are many you, that you, as a responsible social sharing person, have an opportunity. I won't say a responsibility, but an opportunity to say. I'm going to set up a little bit of context about this. Like instead of saying, and, and this game is maybe a bad example, but I've often seen people make a joke and the joke is very witty and smart if you understand the context for it, where they mm-hmm. might be talking about some event in technology or a political thing or whatever. And, and just having the link that you were just reading, because clearly you're talking about an article, you're talking about something, just pasting that link – it's an opportunity, I feel, to to share much, much more with other people by providing that context. And also because tweets do last forever, it gives you an opportunity to set set that context up for the future, even if it's just uh, for yourself. You know, mm-hmm. and you could also just do a um, a hashtag on it, like uh, you know, World Series of Soccer twenty eighteen or something, and that way it's inclusive as opposed to excluding people you're including people yes uh and and so i feel like if you have an opportunity to do that then then that's something you should do and if i went to a restaurant and i thought it was great but i didn't want anyone else to know about it because i want it to be my little secret for another week so that i can eat there a couple more times before it's mobbed then (laughs) i'm just not gonna share it at all sometimes it's also opsec you know, yes, yes, it could definitely be that. And I, 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 I tend not to talk about anything I've done or anywhere I've been until at least a day. After I'm 1000%. I went to California last week, but I didn't post any pictures or talk about it or anything. Um, and, and maybe I'll do that now, but like I've, I've left the area. So now it's okay to say <laughs> this was the view from my hotel room. Dan so you left the state. You can't triangulate it anymore. You know what I mean? I mm-hmm. appreciate that, but like I won't share it at all until I'm ready to do it. You mm-hmm. know? Yeah. And, yeah, and yeah. I don't, I don't know why it, it, but well, like I mean, I, there's, but there's also there's a I feel like there's a cascade to what we're describing, and this is why I fold it into this really unsatisfying thing that I call the information problem. And we had like 15, 20 lines of this about this in, um, in Google Docs, just like kept adding to this idea. Uh, Sharp Objects, I think, was a really good example of that because you know I was in this really. Um, this really uh, odd place of being so enthusiastic about the show, but not wanting to be spoiled, et cetera, et cetera. But here, here's here's a cascade to think about. Uh, I don't know if this is useful, but uh, th- think about the cascade of at the top of the stack. You've got I get this joke, and I'm into it. Right, well, that could be a meme that's going by right now. Right, like I get this joke, and I'm not mad, but I'm not into it. Like I get this joke. And I'm sick of hearing about it and I'm mad about it. Right. And we haven't even gotten to the next part of the stack where people really lose their mind, which is, I don't know what this means and I'm sick of it. Like, that's, that's a funny state to be in is that with, with so much – and I used to pride myself. This is no longer true. It hasn't been true probably for a while. But for the longest time, um, my standing – whenever somebody had, would pull some context demand on me, I could tell them with honesty that if you know how to use Google – 
you can figure out anything that I'm talking about. I've never said any, almost anything for years. I wouldn't say anything on Twitter that you could not Google. Like you, if you could figure out what part of it was probably a, you know, a variable mm-hmm. for context to make the joke different, like you could figure out anything I've said, any Twitter bio I've ever had. And you know what? It's like, super it's easy to, to type or copy and paste that into, into Google yes. and, and do that. And then you can satisfy yourself and move on. You don't need to. But anyway, all I'm saying is that like it is it is a funny state of affairs, though, to be where, you know, it's I don't know which is worse to, to know what it is and be sick to death of it or to not know what it is and be sick to death of it. But I, I think that's that is definitely part of the information problem, which is that we want exactly as much information as we want right now. We want no more and we want no less. And this goes <laughs> right. in, to me, this branches. Twitter is a perfect example. This is the reason I keep mentioning Twitter. This, this, this goes in a million branches. I mean, think about the, like, some people have better luck with this than others. I think it depends on the people who follow you and who you follow. But yeah. like, you try and ask, as they say, an honest question. You're like, okay, my ring doorbell has a slightly stripped screw on one side. I can't get the Amazon camera dingus to identify it. Does anybody know what size screw that is? Mm. And I'm going to get 15, that's what she said, or, or whatever, and all that's going to come along. <laughs> and it's, you're going to have to wade through all of that, and eventually you stop taking it seriously because there's no point in doing that because everybody's got a bit. But, I, I, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't think there's an answer to this, but this is the kind of um, small, like minor social thing where I think just even being aware of it as a thing, mm-hmm. knowing that the information problem is the thing, helps us understand other people better, you know, and ourselves. And you're right. I mean, a lot of times that could be a, a missed opportunity. But, you know, I, uh, I, the, the context thing is scary because you're absolutely right. The, like, you look at James Gunn. Um, I, I mean, I hope I'm not being counter-revolutionary. I think James Gunn got a pretty raw deal for two important reasons. Um, like all of us, he said some stupid stuff on the Internet. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. 1B. Mm-hmm. He said it a real long time ago. 1C, it's pretty obvious that he was joking. And just being a dumbass. Yeah. But two, the, or B, the, whatever I'm on, the one that's really bad is how the people above his pay grade capitulated to these, to these, you know, anybody else out there would know that people like Mike Chernovich are, are doing this. They're, they're acting offended about this to try and just get people fired, people right. that they disagree with. Right. And they're trying to get this whole like pedophile thing to take off. <laughs> and, you know, and it's like, no, I mean, like if you had any sense at all, if you weren't like a 75 year old man looking at this angry, all these angry responses from people calling your director a pedophile, it's like, you would know that like they're, this is totally disingenuous. This is fake outrage. And they're just trying to take this guy down because that's another notch on their belt. And, so, I mean, it's, it's frustrating to me that, number one, all context was taken out, but also that maybe worse, and I've seen this with people that I know, like women who are just being having their careers taken apart about this stuff right now. It's like that, that you would be cowed by that, by that particular um, mob mm. is, is so um, tragic to me. But the context is everything. You're absolutely right. Yeah, and I mean, it really is. And I think it's very – I remember one time I had – Back in my Hive Logic days, I had written a blog post in a I don't remember what the details were, but it was in a sarcastic kind of a tone, and I was quoting Homer Simpson in it of all of all people to, or characters to quote. And I went on a job interview, and they mentioned it and oh and said, uh, well, "What do you mean about this?" They it was they were absolutely confused and had no idea that I was joking or meant it as a joke, or they thought that I was making a statement 
definitively about something. It was probably about being lazy and not wanting to work or something. And and I probably had said it right after I had come off some huge push to get something done and and was mocking the idea of not working hard by you know all the hard work I'd done something stupid yeah, and right. and and it was you know like I actually had these guys like asking me questions about it uh in a, in an interview and I I realized this is way before Twitter or anything like that existed and I realized man you know like this stuff really does like stick around and people will see it and that was from years ago and I meant it as a joke and there was no real context for that it was almost for myself you know right um so i don't know i think it's just such a strange it's such a strange time now the idea that like i consider twitter to be fairly toxic um it used to be so fun it used to be a place where i could go and talk to the other nerds like me who were interested in stuff i was interested in and there's still that out there but there's so much that's not that and you know i don't i don't i don't rely on twitter or YouTube, or Apple, or uh, Facebook, to to police the content that's on that service. I don't I don't rely on them to do that. I rely on myself. Mm-hmm. If I see that used some, to be that used to be the really great thing about it. Yeah, if I you, you could you could really choose exactly what you saw. And if if I don't like the thing that that's there, I can choose to ignore it, or I can choose to not follow that person, or look at something else. There's a lot of things on the internet that I think are stupid and wrong, uh, and that would have you know, there, it takes a whole lot to really offend me. There's nothing I would say would be like super offensive to me because. I think that most of the stuff that's out there is kind of dumb and I don't need Mm -hmm. to pay attention to it. And so, you know, like the same thing is if if I'm driving and there is a huge traffic pileup and you finally get to the end of it and you see that there's a like a guy changing his tire on the side of the road. I don't it seems like the response that most people have to that is. Well, I waited all this time, so I better get a damn good idea what's going on. Now they slow down again, too, and look at the guy and be like, oh, that's what's going on over there. Okay. And then they slowly speed up again. I want nothing to do with that. If there's Mm -hmm. a problem on the road, I don't care. I just want to get away from it as fast as there's nothing I can do to help. I'm damn sure I didn't cause the problem. Let me mm-hmm. just move. I want to move past it. I want it. I want it in my rearview mirror as fast as I can make it be in my rearview mirror. And and and. But it seems like people are so interested in any, everything. And you know what? There is a lot of stuff that would offend a lot of people out there, and mm-hmm. they're entitled to their feelings of being offended by it. And I re- fully respect that. But I feel like people are also like. Like they're 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 seeking it out in a way sometimes, and I just want it in my rearview mirror. If if you don't like it, like go the other way. I don't have to worry that someone's wrong on the internet. Isn't that the um, the oh, only yeah. old thing that somebody's wrong on the internet right now? And I need to get. Yeah, I can't I can't go to sleep. I yeah, like that whole thing is just it's still so prevalent, and and I'm just like I'm just over it now. I just want to. Well, be I, away I, from I talked it. about this in pretty great detail a couple of weeks ago on Do by Friday, explaining why I was taking this little break. And yeah, good for you. Well, it's all the stuff you're talking about, um, and other things, all the other, all the obvious other reasons. But, um, yeah, I, I, I agree with you. And it's, there was a time, you know, eight or so years ago where you could, you know, and back then my biggest complaint was, my God, stop talking about your lunch. It's so boring. <laughs> right. Your you hair, the funny? haircut that you got, right. Yeah. Or like your workout. Like, I don't oh. care. But, you know, it's that, boy, that seems like small potatoes now. Oh, my gosh. Those were the, the, uh, <laughs> those are the golden days of of Twitter. 
I try to save my Lebowski quotes for people who are I know are 100% going to get it. Like some, some of the people I follow on political Twitter are big Lebowski people and <laughs> large Lebowski fans. Um, and I will only deploy with those because think about the five word sentence. Obviously, you're not a golfer. Yes. Okay. Like you make that joke. And see, now I'm explaining the joke. You're, you're making that joke on several levels. I mean, the, the most obvious level is to somebody who's a fan is going to know is going to know that's a reference to that scene and know it's going to reference to somebody where he's not talking about golf. But imagine having to explain that to somebody. What do you mean? This person's talking about, you know, the Supreme Court. And you're saying, what do, what do you mean golf? What does golf have to do with this? And you're like, now you're in a whole thing. And now your day is less fun because you have to go and hold somebody's little hand and explain to them that it's, that it's a joke about something that's deliberately incorrect. And it's like sometimes you're just – I'm taking on the persona of this Simpsons uh, character. Sometimes I'm taking on the persona of Jeff, Jeffrey Lebowski. And like it's, it just takes so much of the fun out of it for somebody to come along and like repeatedly demand that you contextualize your life for them. Very good point. Very good point. And you know what? That's I mean, why I fold it. But again, I, I read this thing I say, Dan, I still fold this all into the aegis of the information problem. Because, I mean, every single thing we're talking about comes down to an imbalance between how much information we want to give and receive and how much we refuse to give and receive and all of that stuff. And like, and it's one of the reasons I walked away for a little while. And I'm, I'm still not going to be posting a lot because it's a cesspool. But, you know, it's just that feeling of like what I said to Max and Alex was I feel like, you know, I go and I look at this for hours every day and I'm frustrated by what's there and I'm angry about what isn't there. And I'm not sure what it is that I'm looking for to make me happy because I walk away from the experience just being mad, you know, and like that's, that's no way to live. Darn right. Well said. Well, let's not bicker and argue about who killed who. This is supposed to be a happy time. <laughs> so, uh, so I got a lot. I got topics this, this week. In episode 388 of your Back to Work program, you joked about bickering and arguing. What, what does that even have to do with anything? <laughs> um, do you have any cheese at all? Uh, Dan, Dan, we're 26 minutes in. Tell me about something you like. I would love to tell you about Molecule. 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 This is a complete, total reinvention of the air purifier. This is not, I want to be clear about this, first of all. This is not just an improvement on existing, outdated technology. This is not like a fan and a sheet of cheesecloth we're talking about. It's, it's, it's not. This is some next level stuff. This is this came first of all. This came from a scientist. His son had asthma, and he was super frustrated because he kept going through these HEPA air purifiers. They weren't helping his son, and he's like, "Wait a minute! I'm a scientist. I need to do something. I have the power to do this. I have the power as as a master of science to cha- to make changes." Hmm. And he spent twenty. This says it right here, 20 years developing a completely, totally new way of effectively removing indoor air pollutants. And this is the thing. Here's some facts. I got some facts. More than 80% of people living in urban areas that monitor air pollution are exposed to air quality that fails to meet the WHO, World Health Organization, recommendations. Worse news is that indoor air which you think you're like, ah, oh, get out of the city air. No, indoor air can be up to five times worse than outdoor air, according to the EPA. 
And most of us... That doesn't seem fair. It's not fair. Most of us spend 90% of our time indoors breathing the, the bad air. <sighs> so what's different, unlike like a HEPA filter, the molecule destroys indoor air pollutants at a molecular level. It doesn't just filter them. It doesn't catch them in a filter, although it does filter. It actually completely removes them from the air by destroying them. So it eliminates allergens, it eliminates mold, bacteria, viruses, airborne chemicals. We have one of these things. I run this thing all the time in the house. I don't want to, hold on. I don't want to jinx anything. Hmm. And this is completely anecdotal. I haven't done, I haven't done tests. I don't have a control and a, you know, a, a, a sample test. Like I haven't done the scientific method on this. Yes. It seems like since we've been running this thing as a family, we've gotten sick less. I, this is ne- they didn't say that. Wow. Not, I just want to have a disclaimer. This is not in the notes. This is my personal experience with it. Maybe it's coincidence. I don't know, but I'm not going to turn this thing off mm. because I feel like that maybe something is happening from this. So here's the thing. And what I want listeners to keep in mind, breakthrough science that is finally capable of destroying air pollutants at a molecular level. That's why they call it molecule. It has mm-hmm. something called PECO, P-E-C-O technology that is beyond HEPA filtration. It doesn't just capture, but it completely destroys indoor pollutants. Even the ones that are a thousand times smaller than a HEPA filter can trap. It does that. And the big deal is for people with allergies and asthma. They studied allergy sufferers. They... Um, at the American College of Asthma, Allergy, and Immunology, uh, Molecules Technology provided dramatic, this is the quote, dramatic, statistically significant, sustained symptom reduction within one week of use. And uh, this has changed, like, asthma and allergy sufferers' lives. One of the people that use it, one customer even said that she was able to breathe through her nose for the first time in 15 years. That's a nice feeling. These things are super cool. They're these tall cylinders that are like a dark aluminum they have this cool light on top that comes on when it's running or there's a night mode so it can turn off and the cool part is there's an app that lets you control everything about it even remotely because it gets on one of these i know you do it gets Mm. on your wi-fi network and you can be like at work and be like oh i'm gonna you know do something you can control it remotely so here's the thing these things are our premium products they're amazing i love this thing and uh and they're giving 75 bucks off your first order, if you go to Molecule.com, it has a special spelling, M-O-L-E-K-U-L-E, Molecule.com, and at checkout, you enter the code back to work, and you will save $75 off your first order. Listen, if you're suffering like I used to from allergies, if you're suffering from asthma, like this could be the thing that totally changes your life. It's, it's the real deal, Molecule.com uh, with a K. Check out uh, and use the code back to work to save 75 bucks. Thanks very much to Molecule for making this show possible. Thanks, Molecule. You need one of these. You really do need one of these. I know. I should do it. I should do it. Um, We got some follow-up and front matter. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, I have one thing I wanted to promote that I think listeners might enjoy over on uh, the Mac Stories website. Um, I was recently on, uh, as of yesterday, they released the episode, the App Stories podcast series that John Voorhees does, which is a lot of fun. And I was on to talk about um, 
Well, I mean, how does one say managing devices in a household, but in particular, like uh, kids and content. And so talking about things like screen time, talking about the way Eero can do filtering for these kinds of things. Right. Um, and of course, because it's me, I ended up talking a lot more about human behavior than technology, which is my want. Um, but yeah, you can check it out over. It's in show notes. And uh, I suggest people, if they like this program, they should check it out. Uh, where would people find show notes for episode 388 of your Back to Work program? Ah, they can go to 5x5.tv slash B as in boys, 2 is in the number, W as in walrus, slash 388. Mm-hmm. 388. Eight. Eight. Yes, sir. Check, check, correct, check. We have a uh, follow-up from me for mm-hmm. you, for you, for me, mm. free to be you and me. There's a <laughs> land that I see where the people are free, and I see ain't, it ain't far to this land from where we are. That's like the Tootsie Roll, uh, whatever it is, One, I think. One, two, I see. Yeah. three. That's a great time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, how went, you can tell us about your talk if you want, but I really want to hear what slide remote you picked and how it went. Oh, yes. I, I decided to get, and I'm, I'm going to look this up so I can put it into our beloved show notes. The I found after uh, some uh, help from... Uh, people who listen to the show and contributed on Twitter and also just by searching and searching a little bit, uh, there was a step-down remote from the one that I was originally looking at for half the price about. It's the Logitech R500 laser presentation remote with dual connectivity, Bluetooth or USB for PowerPoint, Keynote, Google Slides, Prezi. And uh, I'm adding it to the show notes. It is in the show notes. Uh, There it is. It is very... Uh, very nice. It, it's <gasps> oh, that's nice and simple. It's super simple. It's got the button. And not that, as costly. No, not as costly as your other one. Fifty bucks. Mm-hmm. And it's got a laser on the top, which is nice. And it's got a forward button and a back button, and that's it. And it takes a couple batteries, and it fits nicely in your bag or your pocket. And uh, and it, it it's works. got a shape. Also, you're not going to have that Apple TV remote problem, right? The bottom part is uh, fatter than the top part, so it's very easy to to know. And also because the bottom part has the uh, the battery in it, it fits nicely and weightedly in your hand. And if you were holding it backwards, you would know, and it would tumble out of your hands, and it would be horrible. But it's mm-hmm. uh, it doesn't do that. It's great. That's handsome. And Good uh, pick. yeah, I didn't. It's got a dongle. It has. Yes, it has a little because well, here's the thing: it's Bluetooth. It's Bluetooth or USB. Yeah. So if you if you don't want to mess with Bluetooth or you don't have Bluetooth, you push on its butt and it poops out the little tiny little dongle. Uh, and uh, and if you do have Bluetooth, then you don't need to worry about that at all. I haven't even popped this one out yet, but I'm looking looking at it right now. It looks like it would be easy. And uh, it has I don't know. It, they say it has a twenty foot, a sixty five foot or twenty meter operating range. Hmm. I wasn't that far from it, but I'm sure that would be fine. And uh, and for me, this had everything that I needed. It didn't have that weird sort of spotlight feature that the other one had, which was the Logitech Spotlight Presentation Remote with Bluetooth Slate. Uh, I'll put that in the show notes too for people who want to know what the heck we're talking about. That, But that's twice as much money, and it has some kind of a weird, like you point it at a screen and press a button, and this because of the software that you've installed on your computer – it darkens the whole screen except for a circle that is a spotlight, which seems like a very clever way to draw attention to something on your screen, but not a feature that I need it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, oh, that so sounds like a good, a good solution. It was I, great. I like the price. Yeah, much better. You can really over-engineer that stuff. Yes. Good pick. 
Um, <clears throat> other small bit of uh, follow up. How how are you enjoying your? Uh, you got a DOS keyboard, right? Yes, I do. I'm not using it now because we're doing the show. No, 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 I, no. But, but you still enjoying it? I am enjoying it. I'm still a little bit on the fence because I'm still trug- struggling with unlearning the learned behavior of keeping my palm sitting flat on the desk oh, while sure. I type, and that has taken me. It seems like maybe you never really had much of a break from that. Like it's, you always kind of had a like a bigger mechanical keyboard around, didn't you? Well, I just don't type. Yeah, and I don't. I just don't type as much as I used to. I don't type, you know, hundreds of thousands of words a day. Yeah. If you're doing, you know, development or if you're writing, my gosh. I mean, I still write little things, but I don't have to write as much as I used to. So I'm not sure. That Marlon, would, that would be I'm hard gonna, on the wrists. Yeah, I'm not sure if I'm going to keep it. Um, a weird thing happened with to. Uh, it's almost like my old bluetooth aluminum keyboard knew that i got a new keyboard and got angry at me for it Mm -hmm. because i the day after i got the um the the dos keyboard i got the i i got a strange situation and of course this Hmm. is a day before i'm supposed to be going on a trip and i i i plugged in my computer uh, because I have a MacBook 13 inch and it plugs into the USB C port that connects to my LG screen, which has everything connected to that. So I plugged it in in the morning and I was trying to log in and like it wouldn't like it wouldn't let me log in. I couldn't type anything with any keyboard and it was just really weird. Like I could move the mouse around, uh, but I couldn't type. I thought, okay, there's something weird here going on. So I switched to a different keyboard, plugged that in. It also had the same problem. I couldn't type my password into the login prompt. So then I said, okay, that's weird. And I opened up, I, I decoupled it from my screen and tried to type directly on the laptop computer's keyboard and uh, built in one and it, it didn't work. I couldn't enter a password. Hmm. I couldn't do anything. I thought this is really bad timing for this. And, uh, and so I was unable to get anything to work. And then I, I heard, have, you know, that strange little beeping sound that you can hear if you like mash all of the buttons on your keyboard at once, or if you're trying to enter text into a web page or something that doesn't have a text field, you'll just sort of hear that beeping sound like, like that. You know what hmm, I'm talking I don't know about? If I, do. I don't know if I do. I mean, I know the bloop sound, but I don't know about the, well, it was do it was like doing that. Hmm. Even though it was completely disconnected from everything. Like it was getting overstimulated. Yeah, yeah. And I said, wait a minute. And I so I powered off the Bluetooth keyboard and all the problems went away. Then I could type, I could log in, I reconnected it to the other keyboards, it was fine. The Bluetooth keyboard just went mad. It just went insane. And now any t- and I put new batteries in it, same thing. I unpaired it, repaired it. If if I turn that thing on, I can use it for about three or four minutes and then it'll it'll start going crazy and like it'll like type that's stuff weird. on its own. And, yeah, it's weird. I wonder if that's a, well, you used to call it PRAM. That's not what it is now, but I wonder if that's one of those, what's, like what is it, what's it called now? Not PRAM. What's the new one? And VRAM. You know what I mean? Yeah, something, but VRAM, it's, like it, you might want to, that might, that might actually be one of those flash the VRAM kind of situations. But it only happens with that one keyboard. So I just have it turned off. <laughs> <laughs> that's frustrating. Yeah. I have a, uh, my, my weather station, my internet connected weather station. I want one. Negative. I want one so bad. I'll tell you the one to get. It's negative forty degrees outside. Of no, week. come on. Yeah. I mean, it's foggy, but it's not that <laughs> it's foggy. Silly. And I tried taking the batteries out and everything. I don't know what's wrong with it. Is it a big station? No, no. It's uh, it's not. Um, Is it white? I like it a lot. I mean, it's you know Caucasian. Yeah. Is it the kind that you like you? 
put into the ground and it has like the spinning pinwheel thing. Well, you can put it the- anywhere. I've got it mounted outside. I don't want to talk about it, but I've got it mounted somewhere. <laughs> it just needs to be more than five feet above ground. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, it's, sometimes stuff breaks and you just don't know where to even begin. It's yeah. really frustrating. Do you have a lightning rod on your house? I don't think so. Got an old, got an old uh, direct TV dish. That works. That's going to come down someday. Yeah. <laughs> Unless you, so wanna, you might one day want to you know, re-up. You never know. You never know. <laughs> yeah. That DirecTV in 2001, man. Woo! I know. Changed my game. Oh, no. That was, the, that was the DVR box to have. I still miss my TiVo. I still really do. I miss TiVo and Adderall title. Um, <laughs> so, uh, next bit of uh, follow-up. Don't have too much. I don't actually have that much. Do you want to talk about uh, something else that you like? Oh, sure. I can tell you about Slack. Slack! Slack. I use it. What do you, I got a Slack. What Slack. do you do with Slack? I use Slack... To replace the tiresome workload of what used to be an email-focused effort, which is several people trying to make a podcast. There are the people who run the podcast network. There are the people, the talent, as they say, who record the podcast. There's the production person. Hey, you remember old pal Jim? Jim, Jim, that it's a, that it's a show I do. Yeah. You got that. You got you to deal with you know, changes in advertising, right? All that kind of stuff. Having a Slack channel, and this is just one, one, one usage, which is one show I, I mean, the most valuable Slack channel to me is the show I do with Syracuse. It's got probably six or seven people on it. And I, I just love the fact that whatever I put there, people are going to find it. It's going to come up at the right time. And we don't have to shoot emails back and forth anymore. I mean, I, I don't know if Slack wants us to say that, but that used to be the worst was just like knowing who to include. You know what I mean? It just becomes so overwhelming, and Slack has been so great for me in a bunch of different environments at being a fun place to talk to people. Let's be honest. That's a big part of Slack. It's fun to talk to people and have have Slackbot talk to you. But it's also been a great way to say, like, okay, there's this other stuff I don't want to know about. Like, take me out of pound sign politics, but I want to be in pound sign Doctor Who. Like, whatever it is you want or need to do. And then on top of it all, you can DM people all in this private environment where people have their name and their picture on their account, and they act like human beings. And I think it helps bring out the best in people in a way that a lot of other connected technologies do not. I am. I'm I'm a big fan of Slack. I like it a lot. I am a big fan also. And I love to see how these guys have continued to make consistent, gradual improvements to the service. I know they have, you know, everything gets downtime once in a while, but I can say Slack seems to always be running. It seems to always be there when I need it to be there. And we have one for Fireside that we use quite a lot where every customer of Fireside gets an invite and they can join Slack and they're in there and they can ask questions and they can talk to other people. And it's funny because like I had first saw it as maybe – well, I first started using it when we were in beta, and it was great because I was getting all this this really, really immediate feedback from people. I'd roll out a feature, and there'd be you know, 20, 30 people in there who get to try it right away and say, oh, this works, or this didn't work for me. And once we moved out of beta, it's become a place where people can really go and not just talk to me, but really talk to each other and talk about podcasting and talk about trading, you know, trading tips and tricks and things that they're doing to make their own podcast better and answering. People can go and ask specifically in an area full of people who you know for a fact are interested in podcasts. People could go in and ask for advice. Right. And that's so sensible. It so sensible. really is. And it's so much better than email and, uh, and, and, and just it has the, the, the notion of that immediate communication that you get from an instant message, but it combines it with so many more features. Like I was telling you, like you can just drag or paste 
a screenshot and annotate the screenshot and put it in there. Uh, if you're if you like something that somebody said, you can star it and save it for later. You can search all of the previous messages if you want to go and find something that um, somebody said weeks or months ago or longer. It's there. The history is all there. It's all preserved, and it works on every platform that's out there. You can use it just as a web app. You can get the iOS app. You can use the app on on your Mac, your whatever. I mean, it's, it's everywhere that you are. It's there, and uh, and it's all seamless. Slack.com, that is where work happens. So go check it out. Slack, S-L-A-C-K, Slack.com. Go try it out. We appreciate their support, and I hope that y'all are using Slack right now and loving it as much as I do. Thanks, Slack. Fuck, fuck. 51-year-old man. It's an <laughs> odd way to spend my time. <laughs> there are Whoa. worse ways to spend your time. You're telling me. Let's see. Oh, got a text from my wife. Okay, good. She's going to lunch. All is well in the world. Um, Oh, this is a very tiny bit of follow-up. I don't have anything super significant to say about this. Um, Boy, people know and think and share a lot about belts, and it's pretty cool. We talked about belts, and now we've turned into like a belt podcast. Like lots of people have sent us links about belts. Um, we could at some point maybe gather some of that in the future. Uh, I just want to mention one that I'm real satisfied with. Um, this was sent by a friend of the show, JXPX1138. That's actually, <clears throat> actually not his real name, but that's what I'd like to call we, him. We trust but, him. We trust his advice. Name. Yeah, he's a Texan, right? Yeah, he's um, my, na- my neighbor almost. I could walk over there right now. He's a good man and thorough. <laughs> see? <laughs> I know. I, so, but see, you, you, people know. <laughs> I need to sleep. <laughs> Uh, he suggested one to me because he's an adventure boy and uh, he suggested this company called Arcade and this company called Arcade at ArcadeBelts.com they make a ton of different belts and I tried the one that he recommended and I gotta say I really like it it's um it's a pretty straightforward like a web belt that's got the little dingus that you put it over and you pull it through it's really easy to deal with and here's what I love is that it has a, just the tiniest bit of elastic to it mm. the problem is like with a lot of belts you get it as tight as you want but then it's too tight and this you know you learn over time like exactly how tight you want this you pull it it's great I just want to recommend them and uh, listener um, listener Simon uh, writes in to say uh, I heard you talking about arcade belts uh, quoting listener Simon, one more amazing data point about these belts, the adventure belts, that's one line that they have, the adventure belts, besides looking stylish, have plastic buckles, so they are TSA safe. Right. That's good to know. Mine's not. Mine's got aluminum. So I guess what that means is you don't have to take it off if don't you're going through the, uh, through the thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, do you, I, you don't travel as much as you used to, but did you ever go to the trouble to get TSA pre? No. I did. Hmm. And it is it's different from clear. Yes. Uh, clear was like a one's government and one's business. Is that right? I think so. I think clear is the business one. I don't know much about it. All I know it. is John Roderick wants all of them. Well, yeah. And he does, <laughs> he does a lot of traveling. So it makes sense that he'd have all his bases uh, covered. But I, I got the TSA pre and I'll tell you what, it is phenomenal. Um, hmm. As long as the other people you're traveling with also have it, you can pretty much skip every line uh, you, you get this special TSA pre-line, which almost always flies through really fast. And, uh, and, and really, there's, it just cuts down so much on the waiting. You don't have to take your laptops out. You don't have to take your shoes off. I, I, I tried to push the envelope this time. I didn't even take my jacket off, and they didn't care. And instead of having to go through the, um, the cancer spinner, you can walk through the, just the regular metal detector. 
<laughs> so I really, really recommend it to people. Uh, there's something above that, which is called global entry. And mm. global entry is the equivalent to TSA pre, except it, it works internationally. And I, th- I think it's a bit more money. I think TSA pre was, don't quote me on this, I think it was like 50 bucks maybe hmm. and and global entry i think is a uh, hundred bucks or, or maybe what's the it's process more. like is it pretty simple it was real simple you um all you have to do and I'll, maybe i'll do this if i have time afterwards but you can just google like tsa pre-application or sign yeah up. yeah i'm sure people can find it it's a uh, a simple form that you fill out on the website and then they give you a play they give you an opportunity to pick where you would like your appointment to be if there's more than one place in town and what time uh, the one that's here in Austin is actually at the uh, Austin Bergstrom International Airport. So you basically Austin go... Austin Bergstrom! Yes! <laughs> Sorry, it sounds like a Jerry Lewis airport. No, it really does. I never thought of that. You're right. Uh, so I, w- I went uh, went to that. But they don't give you the third degree. It's pretty straightforward, it's right? It's super straightforward. You just you go in there, you sit down. Uh, they, I believe they fingerprint you and they probably run some kind of a background check and they look at your license or your passport and then that's basically it and they, they make sure that you're not a threat and then however it is that they determine that and then they issue you a traveler, uh, like a known traveler ID number. So when you're, uh, when you're buying tickets, whatever the airline is, it doesn't matter. There's that little blank where you, where it'll say enter in your traveler ID number. If you enter that number in, the airline validates it and uh, and puts a TSA pre logo on your boarding pass, uh, so that then when you get to the airport, you can walk into the TSA pre line. They look at it and then they let you through. And the last time that I went was interesting. They took my license and uh, and put it into some kind of like special machine that read the license. And they didn't even want to look at my boarding pass this time. They just they knew that I was TSA pre from the license, so that's even hmm. one less uh, piece of paper to carry. That's interesting. So I highly recommend the TSA pre process, and I believe it's good for five years. Uh, and um, and and also children under a certain age, I think it's under the age of fifteen, uh, get get I- included with it. So when I travel with my kids, my wife and I both have it. Uh, so our kids are automatically TSA pre as well. That's cool. Highly recommend it. Sounds good. You ever go through? Uh, you ever go to Israel? My mom has. Yeah. Does that yeah, count? Some pretty well. Yeah, I've just heard some pretty wild stories about the security at uh, Ben Gurion. Because the, they uh, they're all about the super good at profiling and just well, and it's, it, it is it is as we say uh, in the parlance of our time problematic. Because on the one hand, people are saying, "Well, what could we learn? You know, is there something we should be learning from this? If we really wanted to, all the theater that we put up there, which is obvious BS. Like, if we actually did want to secure our flights, like to a near certainty, what would we do differently? And there's a lot of what they do that's very interesting. A lot of it that's really kind of gross, and they harass a lot of you know. Um, Arab people, let's say, <laughs> Muslim people, um, but no, apparently they eyeball you real hard, and they are they are they are tough at watching. It is said I don't have the information in front of me, but it is said that the people in security at that, that airport are very good at basically watching everybody and looking for tells and looking at how you respond when questions are asked, and it could could take you a few minutes, could take you a few hours based on your response, and you just right. might not go at all right. because a, a switch has flipped and they decided that there's even the smallest feeling that you might not be uh, secure. And apparently, you actually go through multiple multiple levels of their security there's there are the people who are sort of profiling there are people who just mill around the airport right following right, right 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 
Fascinating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's got yeah, multiple levels. Yeah, I don't want to get too far into it, but um, so belts, flying. What other kinds of things do we have? I don't have too much. I might want to at some point talk about. Uh, well, I'll wait till more time has passed. But uh, daughter just went back to school, and it looks like it's gonna be an interesting year. This teacher and this grade are doing some very different and interesting things that weren't what I expected. So I might want to talk about that. At oh some yeah, point. I'd be interested to hear about that. Yeah, it's weird because I mean, on the one hand, fifth grade is um, when the homework really picks up. They're trying to prep you for middle school, but it's really interesting. Her teacher is really cool, and he does a lot of kind of somewhat unconventional stuff in this era of hard testing and you know treating it like a factory. He does some really interesting stuff to give the kids agency. I'm really interested to see how it goes. So I should probably come back to that after yeah. I have more than two days' experience with it. Yeah, I want to hear about it, too. I have a strong opinion about this based on talking to my daughter after one day at school. <laughs> um, but she has uh, she, she's not working at a standing desk, for example. At school? <laughs> yes. Well, that's very <laughs> forward-thinking. At the points when you can choose where to sit to do a task, there are four different options for seating in the classroom. What are the Isn't other three? Well, there's your standard, like, more or less assigned seat, but mm-hmm. you get to move around during the day. There's, like, uh, yoga balls. I want to say maybe beanbag chairs, but some kind of, like, small, like, stools. Uh, or you could be at a standing desk. And I she, love she did, did her first day of school at a standing desk. She's like, my feet are really sore. Oh, yeah, the standing I bet desk they are. Oh, well, that's a pretty, pretty long way from where we used to be. Hard alphabetic order, baby. Yeah, really. I do not have too much. Do you, I have I have a suggested article that I wanted to toss out, but other than that, I'm wide open on whatever you want to talk about. I got a couple of little things after your article. Good, good. Let me toss this out. Um, I responded to a listener who sent this article that I thought was so interesting. I want to credit. Da, 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 da. Boy, we got some dingling email this week, didn't we? Not not our nice listeners, but didn't we get some? Di- yeah, we did. I, I deleted oh them already, though. Oh my God. My problem was I kept marking them as spam, and then that started guessing that lots of the emails were spam, so I had to stop. Oh no. Yeah. Ugh, That's not good. Okay, listener Tony. Thank you to listener Tony for sending this article, which I thought was a very. Did you look at this article on hypocognition? Oh yeah, I did. Yeah. It's okay if you didn't. No, I did. Um, it's in show notes. And I think I might. Who knows where I'm going to end up talking about this because this is absolutely relevant. To literally every podcast I do. <laughs> I mean, so honestly, there's some aspects uh, in this article that are relevant to everything that I do, and I think it's incredibly interesting. Uh, it's an article on Scientific American, a blog they have there called Observations, and it's called Unknown Unknowns, colon, The Problem of Hypocognition. The deck is, we wander about the unknown terrains of life, complacent about what we know and oblivious about what oblivious to what we miss. And it's another one of those classic, like, oh my gosh, this is so obvious, but like, I'm so glad somebody gave a name to this phenomenon. Right. And so they're talking about this, and I'm just going to toss this up. Maybe we'll come back to this in a future week if people have had a chance to read it. But hypocognition is just this idea that, you know, again, the unknown unknowns. Um, the story uh, starts out with an anecdote from 1806 about a guy, an entrepreneur named Frederick Tudor. He sailed to the island of Martinique with a precious cargo. He was bringing ice from frozen Massachusetts, he wanted to sell it in Martinique. Um, in the Caribbean, which is very, very hot, they have no concept of refrigerated anything, so nobody wanted to buy it, and it melted, and he lost all his money. <laughs> because of hypocognition, in that case, they didn't. because they did not have any concept of refrigerating food, it seemed crazy that you would buy frozen water. 
Um, quick example. Um, he says, often life's outcomes are determined by hypocognition. What is hypocognition? If you don't know, you just experienced it. Hypocognition, a term introduced to modern behavioral science by anthropologist Robert Levy, means the lack of a linguistic or cognitive representation for an object, category, or idea. So immediately you can see how language fits into this. You'll see those listicles about things that we don't have a word or phrase for mm-hmm. in English. Yeah. He goes on to talk about things like how in um, in some countries, most, most languages have more concepts of blue than we have. And perhaps as a consequence of that, many English speakers have a less sophisticated ability to identify different shades of blue just because we don't have words for it. I don't know if that's 100% true, but I'm very into this idea. He goes in, goes on further to talk about hypercognition, which is when we do think we know a lot about a thing. And talking particularly about how, you know, if you're a heart doctor, you're more likely to diagnose a heart illness. I don't know. I just I want to toss this out there. Check it out in show notes. Article called Unknown Unknowns, The Problem of Hypocognition. Uh, I thought it was a very thought-provoking piece. I really like it. And I think I, I liked – I could tell – I can tell when uh, I should read an article based on your response to the person who submitted <laughs> the article. And, well, that's and, nice. Thank and, you. And not, not always do we respond to the emails that we, we get, but like your response was like super enthusiastic to the, to the guy that submitted it, Tony. And I'm like, I, gotta, I better go read this thing then. It was a great article. That's right in my wheelhouse. Perhaps herein lies the greatest peril of hypocognition. It is facing a concept that captures something we cannot fathom, an exotic emotion we cannot grasp, a certain idea that arouses in others fervor and enthusiasm but strikes us as nothing but foreign and bizarre, a certain principle that must, against our own reason, be unreasonable. It's weird that we, like, store information in our brains. Like, it's, yeah. it's, it's like you can't look at it. If you looked at a brain, you wouldn't be able to tell what it contained. But yeah, like, you can't see the Flintstones in there. Like we can't just touch it. stuff in there. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to touch the third rail and read this part because this is part of what really grabbed me. This is the part that made me think this is very relevant to do by Friday. Um, amid pitched political battles, partisans see only the concepts associated with their own side. Hypocognition, hypocognitive of the principles that support the judgments of their ideological opponents. I thought this was pretty, pretty sharp. Liberals, for example, construct moral arguments primarily on two principles, harm slash care and fairness slash reciprocity, failing to recognize additional principles such as in-group loyalty, respect for authority, and purity concerns that drive conservative opposition. And like I was texting them with pal Alex today, I, I, that really hit me because it's like I sometimes feel like – like when we're disagreeing with people or arguing with people, we're arguing about each other's content. Like I disagree with your content, whatever, however you arrive at your <laughs> content, I don't like your content. Right. But what's more difficult to talk about is how that content is a product of what your mental model, your paradigm, all of these different things. And that, like we keep comparing our content to other people's and saying it's better or worse, but it's, it's so difficult to talk about how that content is the natural result of a complete difference in frame of mind or paradigm or whatever you want to call it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. We act like it's just about a difference in opinion and content, but which it can be. But like for people who truly think differently about the world than we do, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's an interesting problem to solve. So anyway, check that out. Maybe we'll return to it. If you've had a chance to read it and our listeners have had a chance to read it, we can uh, return to it. Let's definitely do that. And with that, I can throw it to you. Do you want to tell me about something you like, or would you like to uh, tell me about something else that you are thinking about? I'll tell you. I'll tell you about <laughs> something I like. I know it's because right. it's something that you really like. It's Eero. Hate it. Hate you it. hate the Eero. <laughs> you love. I the just Eero. did a pickup artist thing on you. Uh, I nagged you, Dan. You did it. 
You done got nagged. I know it. I'm a huge fan of the Eero. It has been a, a big improvement for our household. Tell me about Eero. What's going on with that Eero? What even is it? Well, the, these are people who they started to build, they wanted to build the Wi-Fi that we all wished we had in our own homes. In other words, something that would be fast and reliable and where we would get a really great connection in every room and maybe the backyard and maybe the garage and maybe the patio. In other words, a really great Wi-Fi connection everywhere. And so the the general consensus of how to do Wi-Fi for all these years came with the idea of we have a, a sort of a single base station that just sits there and broadcasts. And in order to get a good signal in another part of your house, uh, I guess you, well, you couldn't in a lot of cases. You know, we had areas of our house, both upstairs and the back part of the upstairs and then outside where you wouldn't get any signal at all, or it would be so intermittent and so crappy that uh, you might as well have not had anything at all there. And so the way that they solve this and, and they, they've started out with this technology, but their second gen makes it even better, is that they have, uh, they have their base station that, that plugs in, and then they have these little, little uh, things called beacons. Now, I want to be clear. These are not range extenders. Some people are saying, oh, it's just a range. It's not just a range extender. What this lets you do is it lets you build a Wi-Fi system that's perfectly tailored to your house, to your office even, uh, way better than you've ever had before. They have these beautifully designed base stations and then these awesome little beacons. The little beacons have little night lights in them that can turn on or you can control whether they turn on or off because why not? They're plugging into the little electrical outlet, right? And what you do is you get the Aero app and you plug in the base station and get it working and then you go around your house with your phone. It doesn't matter if you have an iPhone or an Android and it'll mm-hmm. say, you know what? You should put one of the beacons right here. And that will boost your signal for this whole area. And then you plug it in and without any like configuration or anything to do, you just tap the thing and boom, it's there, it's on. And you now have a blanketed mesh of Wi-Fi over your whole house. And this is, they use this thing called True Mesh software. Uh, so it makes it so that it's fast and reliable in every single part of your house. And it's just awesome. Uh, they have the, I want to mention that it's five, because people ask, five gigahertz radio in the second mm-hmm. generation Eero. It's tri-band. It's twice as fast as the previous one, which was super fast already. And what that basically means is you can do more and you can do more simultaneously. Um, it can connect to low power devices like locks and doorbells and other sensors with this thing called the thread radio. It, like They're really thinking of everything. They automatically push an over-the-air software update every week or two. So you're always getting new performance improvements. You're getting new features. Like it, it, It's an enterprise-level system that's made incredibly easy to use. And you interface with it with just the, the coolest app that's on your phone. And it's, it's really Such great. Such a good app. They've got customer support. They uh, usually answer within 30 seconds. They know exactly what to do and, and how to help you if you do need any help. And I've actually given a couple of these as gifts to people that I knew weren't especially technically savvy. And they had no problem setting these things up. And it's like changed their whole game in their house. Uh, I love this, uh, th- this, this company. And they make a really great product. It's spelled Eero, E-E-R-O, Eero.com. And they have a special deal. Yes, you can buy these uh, anywhere. You can buy them on Amazon. You can buy them anywhere. But if you go to Eero.com, you will get free overnight shipping to the U.S. or Canada if you enter the code back to work. So when you're checking out, you just pick overnight shipping. It'll show you a charge. But then when you put in the back to work code, it makes it free. 
And, uh, and that's the way I recommend getting them. Eero, E-E-R-O, Eero.com. We sure do appreciate their support. And uh, go get yourself one of these. It's about time. Thanks, Eero. Buck, buck. The, uh, the Eero Plus uh, is pretty cool, mm, too. Mm-hmm. It leverages the, the thing. I talked about this on the show yeah. with John Voorhees on App Stories. We talked about how what's neat about Eero is that what's, it starts out with something as seemingly simple as identifying every connected or previously connected device on your network. On the face of it, that seems pretty simple, although I don't know of any other ones that do that as clearly as Eero does. You can see, like, here is your iPad, here is this, and you name that however you want. What's neat is then you can fold that up into what are called profiles. So you could say, and this is just free and included with the package, to say that my kid uses these one, two, three items, and I want to set limitations on those for, like, time of day. And then with their pay service, which is called Eero Plus, you can also apply things like content filters and all kinds of stuff to it, malware checks, all that sort of stuff. Um, access to other apps, so it's and they're 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 a real good they're a real good company. Eero.com. I hope that never comes back to bite me, but I like Eero. Yeah, I do too. Yeah, don't screw it up, guys. <laughs> <clears throat> Hi. Hey. Page two. Uh, Dan, uh, what's what's going on in your neck of the woods? Uh, well, one thing on my uh, on my flight recently, I watched the movie It, the new one from twenty seventeen. Mm-hmm. Um, I have not read the book. It's one of the few Stephen King books that I have not read. Isn't it scary? The movie was not scary to me at all. Um, hmm. I, I don't scare easily from movies. The clown, I'm not ruining anything. There's a clown in the movie. Hmm. Um, the, clown, the clown was not scary to me. The, uh, the situations and such were not scary to me. I don't generally like the whole children in danger concept of uh of that that they do in movies sometimes uh but i thought that the movie was very well made and i was very entertained by the movie oh, interesting but i was not scared by the movie uh, i hmm. wouldn't i wouldn't necessarily would want, you allow that it might be incredibly scary to other people because that's literally every other review i've heard i i is that it's relentlessly scary is <laughs> every other review i've heard i i'm i can't <clears throat> i mean kudos kudos to you for your bravery but we might also just want to give people a heads up that it, it might be very scary for you that's what i heard and going into it and that's the reason that i didn't watch it for all this time because i don't generally i don't get much out of like movies that legitimately scare me or creep me out um i this just wasn't this didn't fit into that category at all for me i i was uh just not just un- unaffected fully wholly unaffected by it and the fear realm uh, and and I do get scared from movies sometimes, but mm-hmm. this was this was not one. But my, somebody doesn't wash their hands or something. I mean, God, I hope they don't make movies with that in it because that's just. Listen, everybody, it's back to school time. Please drive carefully, but please let's all redouble our efforts. I'm not going to say double down because that's not what it means. It's a blackjack term. Stop saying that. We should all redouble our efforts to make sure we wash our hands during transitions because school is back in session. Yes, and kids are awful, awful disease sponges. It. I have not seen it. Did you see know- Stranger Things? Mm-hmm. Would you say that was scary? Oh, um, yeah, in parts. I, I, I would. Think I'm more, I must be more scared by stuff than you are. This um, this felt just the trail. The trail. I thought the trailer alone was very scary. This felt scary to me the same way that Stranger Things feels scary. If if you hear that and think that's too scary for you. Uh, I mean, there was there's more imagery in this thing that I suppose could be scary. I, I wouldn't take my kids to see this, but mm-hmm. as an adult, it it was fine. Hmm. But I, that's I, probably not the best plane movie, I'm guessing. 
But you liked it. I liked it on the plane. And I watched Infinity War again on the way back, and and I I liked it even more. I'm going to try it again. I bought a copy, bought a legal copy on iTunes. I'm going to watch it again because everybody says, first of all, I'm the weirdo for not liking it. Understood. But also, like everybody else says, it gets better the more times you watch it. So I absolutely want to give it another chance. I watched Interstellar again and liked it more. So anything's possible. Maybe I should watch that again. I like the robots in that. They say this could be the last harvest of okra. Forever? I found a really good picture of Tweaky today. From Buck, From Buck Rogers? Rogers? Yeah, yeah. It's a really beautiful, high-resolution photo of Tweaky. And I kept looking at it, and I'll send it to you. Is it Tweaky or Tweaky? Tweaky. I think it's Tweaky. Tweaky. Am I saying it wrong? I don't know. Yeah. All right. Here's the thing about this. It's a beautiful, high-resolution I think it's a production photo. Okay. But where are you in my things here? Where's Dan? Dan. Dan. Oh, there you are. Okay. Yeah. Notice anything he doesn't have in this picture? I'm looking. Yes, I see a bunch of things, maybe, but can I? how should I point them out? Well, there's something important about Tweaky, because, you know, Tweaky's kind of actually half a character in some ways, right? Yeah, he he's has... Gonna, he's got a Dr. Theopolis. Dr. Theopolis should be around his neck, but I... I feel like I don't remember ever seeing Tweak, Tweaky naked like this. I feel like in the beat, weren't there two Buck Rogers? Like there was a Buck Rogers where they were in space, and that mm-hmm. was later. And then there was a first Buck Rogers where they weren't they on Earth or something? And oh, okay. And Twiggy, Twiggy, whatever we call him, I yeah. feel like he got Doctor Theopolis later. Okay, but do you could remember be, how the be. other Doctor Theopolises, the other uh, computers? Where like there was like a uh, a board of them that would like no I don't remember this at all I just remember Erin Gray so well oh god stop boy she stop. really she ruined me she was like my modern my uh, she's everything my modern Batgirl she's, she's ruined me everything she's the whole world she yeah she was in space man Whew. so good not talking about something else I'm gonna send uh, you a picture of Doctor Theopolis there. Yeah, right. That's what I think of. He wears him like a necklace. Yeah, he would wear him around. Here comes here's here's one of Twiggy with. That's his job, right? He's the uh, he's the body for Doctor Theopolis. Yeah, he walks around with them, and and it's sort of a master. Today you blast, can just get I a think. Roomba. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Beedy, beedy, beedy. That was Mel Blanc for 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 a while. Oh yeah, the, yeah. That guy did everything. Let's see if I got anything else. You got anything else? Anything else you want to recommend? Um, Cancer spinner. Hmm? Mm, nothing else I can recommend that's that's new that's happening. But if if we have a little time left, I have a little interesting uh, story to tell you about. Tell me story. Air conditioner. Air conditioner. Let's talk about something important. Well, air conditioning. So uh, this is the kind of thing that when when you talk about things that are related, uh, I've learned having owned owned a home for many many years too long probably. Uh, that things are always related inside of a house. If there's a, if there's one problem, it's usually related to another problem that you don't know about yet. It's very rare that it's just one thing. So in this situation, interesting. The we have a total of three bathrooms in our home: one downstairs, one in the master, and then one kind of in the central area of the upstairs that is uh, we refer to as the kids' bathroom. There are two sinks in it, and a shower and a toilet. And one of the two sinks had become clogged up quite suddenly. Um, 
and and to the point where it was uh it was fully clogged and there was actually water sitting uh inside the sink itself and it went from being fine one day to being fully clogged in a day or two so immediately i think that's my daughter's sink she's probably stuffed something down there but she denied doing that and i thought okay you know it's possible it is just over time it's become clogged and it needs to be cleaned so my wife came back with a thing of Drano and I poured the Drano down in there and, uh, and it says, let it sit for 30 minutes. So I came back in after 30 minutes and the Drano was still sitting there on top of the clog. Nothing had happened. Nothing had happened, which is disconcerting because now you've got to deal with the, the Drano liquid, which that's is That's really toxic. unusual. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's scary to get rid of Drano, but that's also very unusual. Yes. I've never seen that happen before. Drano is my quarter of last resort. I, I'll do baking soda and vinegar first. Yeah. We tried that. Didn't do anything. And I tried, I tried using the, 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 one of those stupid, cheap, uh, stupid plastic like things. And I didn't have an, um, a sink auger at this point. Mm-hmm. Yes. So I, I later did, went out and got one. And that also, well, I'll get to that in a minute. So I had to then remove the Drano and I thought, you know, as a last resort, like I don't really want to use a plunger in a sink, but I, I scooped out as much of the Drano as I could and I used a plunger, didn't do anything. So I realized that there's something like really clogged up down here. Like this is not a minor clog. This is something bigger. So I, I hope this isn't as horrible as I think it's going to be because what I'm imagining is really gross. Uh, it, I'm imagining moldy water from the air conditioning. Yeah. It's worse. No. It's worse than that. So no. yeah. So I, oh, damn. I went and uh, and got this auger thing. So I go down underneath the sink, take out the p trap, and uh, and and put this metal auger thing down in there. And I'm spinning it around, spinning it around. But the problem is because of the way the the pipe came out from the wall underneath the sink, uh, I couldn't tell for sure if the auger was going up the pipe or down the pipe. And I assumed it was going up the pipe because I couldn't, nothing seemed to be releasing anything. Nothing seemed to be coming out. And, uh, and it wasn't clearing up anything. I had to do it multiple times. And of course to test it, you've got to reconnect everything and try it again. And it fills up again. And then you get to get the water out again. And with buckets, it's an awful. Uh, so, uh, finally as a, a last resort, I, 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 okay. Now problem number two my wife says, Dan, you need to come and look at this. Oh, no. And so she points out the window, looking over, looking at our backyard where we have a little concrete patio. And the concrete patio has like water on it. And it hadn't rained or anything. And it's like a thousand degrees. So it's fresh water. And I look at it and she's like, water's coming out from somewhere. I'm like, okay. She's like, I think the water heater, which is in our attic, which is not as weird as it sounds, I mean, well, no, I take that back. It is weird, but it's common here in Texas. So, and we hate it. And so this water heater, she's like, I'm positive that the water heater has burst and oh, it's God. draining and it's leaking out. It's coming. I'm like, okay, fine. So yeah. I, I, I go outside. This is making me anxious just hearing about it. Oh, tr- yeah, I was very anxious. So I go outside and I look and there's, yes, there's a big pile of pool of water and it's dripping down. And I look up. And up over, which is, this is, I found out later, this is a a way they do it. They do this to code. This is a reason for this. There is a little tube coming out of the um, eave uh, underneath the roof. And that tube is dripping water out uh, onto the 
ground oh past the window and the reason that they put it there in front of a window is so that you can see it they want you to be able to see that where there's water coming out so you don't miss it because it's an indication of a problem so i go up into the attic now i I have to say i don't mind roaches roaches i I, i'm fine with i don't want them around i want them around i don't want them around Mm. i mean but if they're there they're there like it's not a big deal i'm not afraid of the roaches you don't take it as a judgment no no, it's not, because it's not, they, it's not an indictment. It's not an indictment of your life. Well, no, we have tree roaches. They're in great abundance no, here in geez. Texas. They fly, oh. uh, but I'm f- and they're huge. Have they're they like, been Africanized? Are they Africanized? Probably. Oh. And uh, and anyway, they're, they're just gross. They, I'm not like afraid of them, but I so I go up. I'm going up into the attic, and we've got the kind where you you pull the trap door thing down, and then the um, the ladder folds out. Yeah, you get the steps. And so you step up there, and then we've got a light switch right at the top. So you flip the little switch, and the light comes on. And that's where our two air conditioning um, cooling units are and where the hot water heater is further away. And I get up there. There's so many spider webs up there that I'm just like, this is not what I wanted to do, you know? Like, I don't want to go up there. These spiders are up there. If it was roaches, if I – literally, if I opened it and I just saw roaches all scurrying around – I'm going up there. No problem. I'll go up there and bare feet. I'll wear socks. I don't care. This this story to me is like the opposite of porn. This is so upsetting to me. <laughs> so, oh but my God. but here's the thing. Now, I, so I look over and I look at the water heater, and I see it's far. It's far away. It's far away. I'm like I'm not going all the way over there. But I notice that the air conditioning pan underneath the thing. The pan is like full of water, and it's almost but not quite enough to pop the little bobbin that is the automatic shutoff if it starts to overflow. Like if, okay. it, if it had gone a little bit higher, it would trip that off and then the air would shut off, which you don't want in August when it's a thousand degrees outside. Yeah. So, but I could see that the water that was dripping out of it, uh, it, it was dripping out of, of the main tube, which is supposed to lead down into, guess what, the sink in that bathroom. But the, oh, ho, the ho. tube was clogged up, so it was going into the pan, and the pan is connected to the overflow tube, and the overflow tube is what drips out of the side of the house, right? So mm-hmm. I said, okay, it's bad that there's water in here, but at least it's currently dripping out of that other tube, and we don't have to worry about the air shutting off for a problem, but there, there is now an imminent imminent threat, an imminent threat. Mm-hmm. It's DEFCON Wait, do you yeah. get, DEFCON 1 is the I new was clear which is which, but it's definitely DEFCON water. It's <laughs> DEFCON water, right. So, uh, I... I, I <laughs> and now, how do you... Do you need to get that water out of the attic at this point? Well, the water's in the pan, and if, if more water wasn't constantly dripping into it, it would evaporate relatively quickly. So that's fine, mm-hmm. and there's no spillage. It's not getting on anything. It's not damaging anything, good, but it's just good. it's threatening. So at this point, I said, well, now I definitely got to clear this clog because not only is there a clog there, but there's likely a clog in the tube that's leading down into the sink. So there's two clogs now, and one probably is a result of the other one, etc. And so long story short, I was unable because I don't have, you know, to clear this out, you need a much longer auger than I have. You need shop vacs. You need all these different kinds of things. So I had already called the air conditioning place as soon as I saw this, but they, you know, they didn't call me back and I'm sitting there waiting, I'm waiting, waiting. Like, I don't know when, maybe they can come out tomorrow. Maybe they can't come out for two months. You know, who knows? But you're at DEFCON water. You're right on the edge. I'm right on the edge. Don't know what comes next. So Mm -hmm. I said, fine. (laughs) You're having your own life aquatic. I will call a plumber. 
<clears throat> and they're going to charge an arm and a leg, but at least they could like unclog some, if not all, of this. So Are you thinking at this point that it's further down the line near to where it comes out of the house it's clogged? Uh, somewhere in between the air conditioning unit in the attic and the sink was clogged. And then somewhere between the sink and where it goes is supposed to drain away was clogged. And I couldn't get to it because the auger wouldn't go only go up. It wouldn't go down. Right. Okay. So I like, fine. I call the plumbing company that we've used and the guy answers and he's like, uh, yeah, he's like, I'm on call, but I can come out. Uh, I can come out today, but it's going to cost you an extra 150 bucks. If I come out today, I'm like, hmm. well, I, I, I need you to come out because I we could have this problem with the air. We could have this other thing. He's like, yeah. He's like, well, maybe just don't use the air conditioner. I'm like, mm-hmm. do you live in Texas? Yeah. Uh, so I said, fine, whatever, whatever. Just come out. Just come out and just, make it just go away. Just screw me. Do it fast. Just make it go away. Yeah. And so he came out and uh, and he, he was like, as soon as he gets there, he's like, are you sure you're going? You're not going up instead of down? I'm like, I think I am going up. He says, well, you got to go down. Mm-hmm. I said, well, maybe you can take the whole thing apart off the wall. I said, I can't get the thing. And he said, all right, I'll do it. So he comes in. He does all this stuff. And he's up there for an hour. He's banging around up there. He's got a shop vac that he's using to suction stuff out. Ugh. And finally, he clears, the, uh, he clears the thing. So the drain is now working and water is, is draining away and everything seems to be good. And he said, oh, and I even tried it. I even get, you know, cleared out the drain between the air conditioning in here and everything else. I said, all right. So he leaves, charges me hundreds and hundreds of dollars. But did he's, he did he did he have a uh, did could he tell you what was causing no, the problem? No, no. He's oh. like, I don't I don't do air conditioning, but I know enough to be dangerous. He's what he said. Yeah, that's funny. And he was in my attic, and so then yeah. he left, and I I go out and I look, and there's still freaking water dripping out of the thing from <clears> up, <throat> from the thing. So I I told my wife, I said, listen. When the air conditioning guys finally call us back, don't don't cancel it. Let them still come out. Just let them come out because there's more to this problem. So then I'm. Uh, this was yesterday. The air conditioning people came out and they said that the drain was mostly clear, but the one between the upstairs and the sink was still not clear. That there was still more in there, and there were, they believed that there was still more. In the regular drain. So they then continued to redo everything that the plumber had done and suction everything else out and clear everything else out and empty it. Finally, at this point, it's working correctly. But, and this is, this is the shocking part. This is the part mm-hmm. that surprised me the most. They didn't charge us. And they, hmm. they didn't charge us because they had, they had been to our house before to do some service in the past. And, they, and the guy who owned the company was the one that came out and he said, I should have seen this before when I first. You're kidding! Uh, me. I should have installed a burp, something called a burp, an, a, a burp. What a stand-up guy! That, and he said, he said also the technicians that have come out over the past couple of years to do services should have seen it too. It's our fault for missing it. It's our fault that you had this problem. I'm not charging you for it, and I'm going to install the burp line or whatever. The He's going to make is. a burp for you. And uh, and he says now that I've done this, you should never have the problem again. Jiminy Christmas. So that's my, that's did, my did story. Did he have a theory on how it happened? He said that he believed that it just, it happened. He said that most, well, I kind of know why, but he said that m- most likely this is just a buildup of stuff from, mm-hmm. you know, because this is probably- Houses get stuff. Never been cleaned in, it's a 20-year-old house, I'm sure. Are you, so. are you avoiding, I, I, I'm not asking you to say what it is, but do, do you feel like there was a human factor here? Uh, my son saying? has thrown up in that sink several times. 
But that wouldn't shut down the air conditioning. Well, no. You got gravity. No, but I think what must have happened, and it's been a long time since he threw up in it, uh, but my thinking is just over the years that we've been there, mm-hmm. that, that enough stuff eventually clogged it, but then this, that clogged up to the top one happened very slow because, I don't know. But oh, my God. It's a nightmare. So where, where do you stand now? You got the burp in? Everything, the burp's in. Everything's done now. Seems that way. But what a nice thing for uh, for so him to nice. do, and not what I was expecting at all. Boy, just for fun, it'd be fun to call a third person and see what they say. <laughs> Is that in your budget? No. Why don't, you, why don't you just budget like a grand for this project? Well, I, I've already most of the way there after well, that stupid plumber. Mm. How's the cat doing? Oh, Jesus. She's a spectacle. How the, the Do you still clean around the eyes? Oh, yeah, every night. Every night. <laughs> and uh, we haven't... Um, we haven't uh, haven't had to have any teeth removed or get a new heart medicine recently, so that's wow, <clears throat> it's going along just fine. Yeah, Dan, what a story! Yeah, I thought I would share it. I you know I thought it would that's be a good story. No, there's, there's our cat. Uh, well, God, Hakuna Matata. I hope the air conditioning keeps going. <laughs> Spice little, must flow. Look at the little ears. You know she'd eat you if, if she could. Yeah, yeah. It's very upsetting. Oh, you want know, see she. Was my daughter's haircut? Yeah, she. Uh-huh. I think would take one of those lion cuts really well. Oh, it's yeah. She's had that fairly recently. Oh, she's looking tall. Look at her. She's so yeah. cute. Yeah, she's almost Wolverine sized. <laughs> right, five <laughs> foot one or something. She's like Anna Kendrick sized. <laughs> she no looks heels. great. She looks Thank just you. great. What was she making? Oh, uh, well, she has a lot of very high level uh, kawaii cute lunch stuff. She makes. Yeah. She makes cute sandwiches and things out of rice that look like bears. She does a lot of that, and then I, I clean up. Is that a sloth on her uh, leg? Yes, yeah, she got sloth pants, a Slytherin shirt, and a Target. Is she uh, Slytherin? Shirt. <clears throat> yeah, oh, absolutely. Oh, me and her, man. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> He's not a bad man, just ambitious. <laughs> Obviously, you're not a golfer. Yeah. All right, let's button this up. All right. Okay, I love you. Love you too, Merlin, man.